Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, May 4th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The Federal Reserve hinted it might take a pause on raising interest rates, and UK voters head to the polls for local elections. We'll tell you why they matter. Plus, two drones attacked the Kremlin yesterday. Russia says Ukraine did it. It's a very rare admission of Russian vulnerability. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The Federal Reserve raised interest rates yesterday again. It was the 10th time in just over a year. The Fed lifted its benchmark rate by a quarter of a percentage point. And this increase comes even though some people are still pretty jittery about mid-sized regional banks after First Republic had to be rescued earlier this week. Here's how Fed Chair Jay Powell justified yesterday's move. We're trying trying to reach and then stay at a level of of policy that's sufficiently restrictive to bring inflation down to 2% over time. I think slowing down was the right move. I I think... um, It's enabled us to see more data, and it will continue to do so. To talk more about the Fed's decision, I'm joined by the FT's U.S. economics editor, Colby Smith. Hi, Colby. Hi, Mark. So, Colby, why did the Fed go ahead with this rate rise despite the instability in the banking sector? So first and foremost, I I do think that they believe the banking situation is more or less contained. That First Republic in particular was really kind of the the last bank to uh, be vulnerable to kind of the worst of the ongoing banking stress. And then secondly, I think inflation is just still too high. If you look at past economic data releases in particular, you're still seeing momentum in the economy. Labor demand, while falling, is still strong. And, uh, you know, Fed officials as early as December have been saying that rates need to go above 5% in order for there to be enough restraint in the economy to get inflation down. So um, this is really just kind of following through on the policy path that the Fed has long maintained is going to be necessary here. I think now that the question really turns to is more restraint necessary? And could the Fed very well pause um, in the next meeting? What if it is a pause? Does the Fed just kind of cruise for a while and see what the interest rate hikes do and then make an assessment in a few months? Like, where are we in terms of a timeline? So that's exactly it. That They're going to take the uh, a second to kind of pause, look around, see the implications of what they've already done over the last year, which is quite a bit. It's also kind of one of the fastest tightening cycles we've seen in decades. So uh, I think it just takes time for that to really kind of filter through the economy, to show up in the data. And, and the Fed needs to kind of hold steady here and and assess the impact. Now, something that Powell was explicit about was that the Fed is unlikely to cut interest rates later this year. He says that's predicated on the Fed's forecast that inflation is only going to descend gradually. And and that's why, you know, they can't really um, cut rates anytime soon. Did Powell say anything about the banking system? It's been pretty much the, the main focus of the U.S. economy this week. Oh yeah, um, he got plenty of questions on the banking crisis, and and the message overall was that 
the worst of it is is probably over. He said that kind of First Republic really kind of drew a line in the sand of of the the most kind of severe aspect of of the recent stress. And then in terms of the kind of economic implications of of what's been going on, he was pretty explicit that we can think about the tightening in credit conditions as being equivalent to further interest rate increases. So it could very well be the case that, you know, the banking stress does some of the Fed's work for it, meaning it doesn't have to do as much in the end to raise interest rates to get inflation down. Colby Smith is the FT's U.S. economics editor. Thanks, Colby. Thank you. There are still some issues in the banking world, though. A couple of hours after Powell spoke, the regional lender PacWest saw its shares plummet 50% in after-hours trading yesterday. Sources tell the FT that PacWest is exploring strategic options, including a sale, but no formal sale process has been initiated yet. This is just days after PacWest saw its shares tumble nearly 30%. J.P. Morgan's deal to snap up First Republic sparked the panic. British conservatives have seen their reputation take a bit of a beating lately. For example, Boris Johnson's ugly exit from Downing Street, Liz Truss's ugly exit from Downing Street, and a mini-budget that had major impacts on the British economy. So a lot is weighing on the outcome of today's local elections. It'll be the first major test for current Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, and in many ways, it'll be a barometer for how the Labour Party might do in next year's general election. Here's the FT's political editor, George Parker. This is a chance where voters, rather than just telling opinion pollsters what they think, this will be real people casting real votes in real ballot boxes across most of England on Thursday. And the leaders of the parties you mentioned there, Keir Starmer, the Labour leader, and Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, will be poring over the results to try and read the runes for the next election. So, George, what do analysts think is going to happen? Well, there's been some suggestions um, that the Conservative Party could lose as many as 1,000 seats. We're into the game of management expectations here, that if you say you're going to lose 1,000 seats, you only end up losing 600, and you can make a really bad result sound half-decent. So... You have to take all these things with a pinch of salt. The Labour Party, on the other hand, are saying that they could win as many as 400 seats of the 8,000 being contested. Conservative Party would say that's just management expectations as well. And in fact, the Labour Party should do much better than that. I think a key thing to look at is the projected national share. In other words, what would we expect the result of a general election to be across the whole of the UK if people voted in a national election in the way they vote on Thursday? And in that... I think Keir Starmer should be looking at a poll lead of around 10 percentage points to be reasonably confident that he's on course, at least, for a possible victory next year. That's the FT's political editor, George Parker. Russia is blaming Ukraine for a drone attack on the Kremlin late Tuesday night. They say it was an assassination attempt on President Vladimir Putin. Russia said it could retaliate, but Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky flat out denied these claims on Wednesday. We don't attack Putin or Moscow. We fight on on our territory. To find out more, I'm joined by the FT's defense correspondent, John Paul Rathbone. Hi, JP. Hi, Mark. All right, so JP, what do you make of Moscow's claim that Ukraine was behind this? 
I think the idea that it was an attempted assassination is a bit far because, A, the Kremlin has got two pansier air defense systems around it, and also Putin doesn't spend the night in the Kremlin very often, and it's extremely well protected and bunker-like. But what it does do is it sends this remarkable message, and the fact that the Kremlin has admitted to these attacks it shows that Ukraine has the ability to reach deep into the heart of the beast. So could this attack lead to an escalation of the war? What you might expect is the war to restart. And what I mean by that is the start of this much-heralded Ukrainian counteroffensive that Kyiv's Western allies have been pumping ammunition and weapons into Ukraine. And there has been a step up lately of uh, drone attacks by Russians into Ukraine, which causes distress and death, but also forces uh, the Ukrainian army to to bring back air defense from the front line to defend civilian sites, air defense that otherwise could be used in the counteroffensive. And there's also been a step up in of Ukrainian attacks on Russian assets and installations over the past week or so. Um, uh, uh, Russian railways uh, just inside uh, the border and also uh, Russian fuel depots inside Crimea and on the other side of the Kerch Bridge. John Paul Rathbone is the FT's security and defense correspondent. Thanks, JP. Thanks a lot. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. 